This is the Life Church Podcast. For more messages, to watch our live stream, or to find other events, go to lifechurchnow.org. All right, we get to have a great treat this morning. This is Penny Rouse. She is our uh, life group's pastor and is stepping, standing in right now for um, in youth ministry. Uh, Penny's been with us less than a year on staff, but she's a long-time participant and person with us here in Life Church and a person who has invested a lot of herself intentionally to uh, know about and None of us ever master, but I'm going to use that word. Be strong in the material she's sharing with us today. Penny? All right. Thanks, Wayne. All right. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, everybody online watching as well. Um, as he said, my name is Penny, and I am the Life Group's pastor here at Life Church. Uh, we are in the series of mixed emotions, and I get to bring the message about sadness today. And... Uh, to be honest, when I heard that that was my topic, I was actually sad about that. <laughs> um, but uh, in, in God's sovereignty, uh, he, he knew what, uh, what I needed to bring today uh, for, for people and also for myself, uh, you know, in this series, all those things. Um, so anyway, before we get started, I do want to say that I am very well aware that there are a lot of different ways I could have gone with this sermon. There's a lot to sadness. There's a lot to depression and mental illness. And, um, and we need to do a better job of embracing people in the church and being there for them. And, um, and so I'm going to speak about some of that today. And, uh, you know, I could, I could talk about stats and ratios and all, all that stuff, uh, or I could go to the other extreme and tell you all the bad things that have happened in my life. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to do either one, thank God, uh, for your sake and mine, uh, but um, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to talk to you out of the book of Nehemiah and some of the things that he went through, things that we can learn from his example. Uh, and then I'm going to share with you biblical truth of things that, that I've gleaned from the Word of God, that I've applied to my own life, that I have counseled people in, uh, and, um, and as a way of encouragement to you, all right? So, uh, just so we're all on the same page, uh, I am going to use the word sadness uh, as the all-encompassing word today, all right? That's going to cover... Uh, depression, that's going to cover mental illness, all of that. I'm just going to use the word sadness to cover it, just so we all, all know. Uh, definition for sadness, uh, there's a lot there. It isn't just, you know, all of these things, or it could be just one of these things uh, that, that I'll share with you. It, it, it's, it's not something that, you know, you gotta got to check this box, and, and now you can be labeled you know, a certain way. Uh, sadness, it's a sense of despondency. It can be just discouragement in general. Um, it is a feeling of powerlessness. It can be a feeling of out of control. Uh, it can be uh, you grieving a loss. Um, it could be a death of a loved one. It could be a broken relationship. It could be a, a death of a dream that you've had. 
uh, for your life. Um, it could be just a lack of enthusiasm towards life. Um, to be sad means that, that you have allowed the emotion of sadness to control your thinking and your actions. Right? And we live in a world where, where we think some emotions are good and some emotions are bad to have. Uh, but emotions, we were actually given emotions by God. He created us with a vast capacity, uh, with a wide range of emotions. And back in Genesis, he declared it good. Right? So it's not actually our emotions ourselves that, um, that are good or bad. It's, it's how we're reacting, how we're expressing, how we're releasing uh, what, we're, what we're feeling, what we're going through. Um, today, uh, a lot of people think, oh, she's going to talk about Job today. Uh, we're not going to talk about Job. We're going to be in the book of Nehemiah. And so open your Bibles, open your apps, whatever you brought, get, get the word open, all right? Uh, we're going to be looking at some reasons for sadness out of the book of Nehemiah. Now, I won't be able to go through all of the reasons for sadness in this book, but I am going to highlight a couple of them uh, for you, things that are relatable to all of us, um, because no one's immune to sadness, right? Now, in the book of Nehemiah, uh, we see that the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom have already been taken over by other empires. They have, they've been conquered, and most of the people have been hauled away to a land that, that they don't know. And uh, this, in, in Nehemiah, this has happened years ago. So Nehemiah himself, the writer of, of this book, uh, was born in exile. He's lived his whole life there. He doesn't know any different. But yet he's been brought up in, in the knowledge that, you know, Jerusalem was a holy city and that there was a temple there. And, you know, his, his heart is towards Jerusalem. And uh, at this point in time, he is a cupbearer to the king. And whenever the king wants something to drink, Nehemiah gets to taste test it to make sure no one's trying to poison the king. All right? Talk about stressful job, <laughs> right? Uh, but, but he does it, and apparently he does it well, and uh, there, there's a camaraderie there between the king and Nehemiah that we'll see here in a little bit. Now, when we look in Nehemiah chapter 1, right here at the beginning, uh, Nehemiah has asked some people that have just returned from Jerusalem, hey, what's it like there? What's going on? How are the people doing? How's the temple? All that stuff. And this is their answer in verse 3. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and I fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And so Nehemiah has just received bad news. And we've all received bad news, right? No matter how it comes. And at this point in history, the temple has already been rebuilt. Uh, it, it took them over 20 years to do because there were some years where there was inactivity. Nobody was working on it. But they did get it done. But the wall around the city is in disrepair. It, it's ruined. And so the people there are very vulnerable to attack, and so is the temple. And this is what makes Nehemiah sad. This is what makes him mourn. All right? And so he's expressing his sadness 
you know, and, and the way he describes it, there's really nothing awkward about it. I was crying, I was weeping, I was mourning, you know, and uh, some of us are not as open to, to express that as, as Nehemiah. What's interesting to me is that he mourns this way for four months. And for, for some of us, uh, there have been longer periods of mourning in our life over different things, right? Um, there's different degrees of sadness, you know? There's sadness that, oh, well, that's too bad. I'm just kind of disappointed. <laughs> that doesn't last very long. And then there's, there's other kinds of sadness that, that can last for months or even years if we let it, right? Depending on how deeply the wound goes, right? And... Uh, with, with this bad, bad news, you know, he, he hasn't gone to the king just yet, but he's praying during this time to get an opportunity to say something to the king, all right? And so in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 2, you know, the king wants some wine, Nehemiah does his job, brings it into him, and the king asks me, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. And I don't know about you, but sometimes we have a tough time hiding our sadness, right? We, it shows on our face, right? Hey, what's the matter? Are you okay? Right? Or, or our posture, you know, we're just, everything is like, oh. Or the way we speak. And it, it not only affects our heart, but it affects our outer person too, doesn't it? And people can tell. And so the king... He was like, hey, are you okay? What's going on, Nehemiah? Talk to me. All right. And so this is what Nehemiah has been praying for these last four months, an opportunity to go to the king. All right. And uh, he gets to go to the king and say, well, I'm sad because the, the, the homeland, my homeland and, and the city of Jerusalem, uh, the wall is ruined and it needs to be built back up again so the people can be protected. And so the, the temple can be protected. And the king, king asks him, well, what do you want? And Nehemiah asks him, can you let me go to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple? And the king says, go. And so here's Nehemiah. During this time of sadness, he wasn't just sitting there dwelling in it. He was weeping, yes. He was mourning, yes. But he was also praying about what to do, okay? What action to take, all right? We've, we've all had bad news, and there's different ways bad news comes, right? Uh, bad news can come right out of the blue and just take us to our knees with it. Uh, bad news can also be a long time coming when uh, maybe someone we love is sick, and, and we know it's coming, but, but they're still grieving even before it happens, right? And uh, I've, I've had both, like many of you. Uh, I, uh, there's been a lot of cancer in my family. <laughs> my uncle died of skin cancer. I had a grandpa die of throat cancer. Um, had a grandma die of colon cancer. Um, and that, that was just a, a waiting, right? And, and for some of that, you know, when the phone call comes, it's not a shock, but it still, still releases a lot of sadness, right? It fi finally happened, you know? Um, I, my, my grandma on my mom's side just passed away last Christmas from dementia, 
And that was a long time coming, but it doesn't mean that it made it any less sad. It doesn't mean that, um, that I didn't grieve for that, right? I've also had times of just out of the blue. And uh, one, one such example would be when I was five. Um, I wasn't even in kindergarten yet. I had a cousin who was six. His name is Joey. And we played together a lot. Uh, he lived in town, so he loved coming out and playing on the farm with the pigs and, and the sheep and everything. And uh, we both loved Star Wars. We bonded over that. And uh, there was one spring day in April where he was riding his bike out in front of his house. And it was about sunset, and a car came along and was blinded by the sun and hit him and ran him over and killed him. And as a five-year-old, I had no idea how to process that. Um, I, I, you know, what, is, what, what does this mean, you know, other than uh, I was never going to be able to see him again, this side of heaven, right? And um, when you're five, you don't, you don't really handle those things very well because you don't know, <laughs> right? Well, his, his older brother, Rob, was in the yard, in the front yard, when it happened. He was nine, and he saw the whole thing. And, um, yeah, he, he did not handle it uh, very well, as, as to be expected. You know, that, that's your little brother. And over the course of junior high and, and high school, um, he, he made a lot of bad choices, a lot of bad decisions, because I think there was just so much pain in his heart. And uh, he got into alcohol and drugs and selling drugs and on the wrong side of the law. And uh, one day I get a phone call at school um, to, to go to my, my grandma's house. And that's when I found out that um, Rob, at the age of 19, and I was 16, 10 years later, after the whole thing with Joey, uh, Rob had taken his own life. And again, you know, I'm 16. I, I'm a little bit better prepared. There's been other people in my family that have passed away by this point, but nothing ever prepares you for that. And um, it still makes me sad when I think about it. Um, this Friday, October 16th, will be the 29th anniversary of his death. And so some of you, like me, you know, you remember birthdays and anniversaries and, and things like that and, and, uh, and still go through those times of mourning sometimes. Um, and that's important to do. Um, it's, not, it's not something that we really want to keep pushing down and keep pushing down. We do need to, uh, we need to mourn. We need to let those things out and express ourselves uh, that way. You know, God knows. And he sees our heart, and he's, he's with us, all right? Another reason for sadness that we have in this world and, and that Nehemiah went through was, um, was found in, in Nehemiah chapter 4. Uh, there's, there's opposition from the outside. And some of you work in a workplace where there's people that, that are hard to deal with, right? The, that uh, maybe you go to school and there's bullies there. Uh, there's bullies on the bus, uh, bullies in your neighborhood. Um, there's, there's people out there that, that can, can make life difficult, 
right? And Nehemiah struggled with this too. He, there was a guy named Sanballat that did not want that wall built. And he ridiculed Nehemiah to his face, said horrible things to him, uh, wrote horrible, nasty letters to him, uh, got people that lived in the area around Jerusalem uh, all riled up against Nehemiah, uh, even had a plan of attack that they were going to attack Jerusalem and attack Nehemiah so that he would stop working on the wall. And what's really interesting to me about Nehemiah and his reaction is when all those things happened, the very first thing he did was he'd pray to God. He'd go to God. He wouldn't, he wouldn't you know, oh, no, what's, what should we do? You know, God, this is what's going on. He was very blunt about it. You, you can read it in the book of Nehemiah. May we be as such, right? That when things happen like that, we go right to God with it. And uh, there's, there's, Nehemiah understood that there's things out there that people are going to do and people are going to say, and maybe they're going to do and try to say to us, we can't control that. And that's hard. <laughs> we can't control what's going on with them, but we can control what's going on with us. Uh, we can control how we react and, and what we do. And so that's what Nehemiah does. He goes straight to God. So my question to you is, how are you handling things that you can't control? How are you handling opposition from the outside? And this year alone is probably the best example I can think of, of all the things that are out of our control, right? Started with COVID, racial injustice. We had the derecho here. There's financial instability. We have, a, we have a presidential election coming up. All those things can cause stress and anxiety and, and things that, that we can't control, right? Are you spending more time talking to God and listening? Are you spending more time with him during this season? Are you drawing near to him? Or are you using whatever you can as means of escape whenever you can? Right? So, not only is Nehemiah dealing with all this stuff out there, then there's all this stuff going on with the Jewish people. They start fighting with each other. So he's, he's dealing with all that, and then all of a sudden, all these people are being distracted from building the wall, and they're fighting against each other. And Nehemiah could have not said anything. Sometimes that's, we think, the easiest thing to do. But he, he was bold, and he called him on it, and he said, this is not how we treat people. Knock it off. This is not how we treat people, this, especially our own people, right? And I don't know about you, but you know, maybe sometimes in your life, in your friend circles, or in your family circles, there's, there's drama. There's, there's infighting. <laughs> Am I talking to anybody here, right? You guys know what I, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? Strife from within, all right? Things that, that hit really close to home because these are people that, that we live every day with, you know? We're, we're around them all the time. And sometimes it's easier to not say anything, but, but sometimes in order for things to stop or for, to get things out in the open, we have to stand up and speak and say something. We need to make sure we do it in love we need to make sure we do it with biblical truth. But sometimes we, that's what we need to do for it to stop and for it to break that atmosphere that's going on. All right? 
In Psalm 34, uh, this verse has really spoken to me in times of my sadness. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And that's what it feels like. It feels like your heart has been broken and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Crushed, right? Maybe someone abandoned you. Maybe someone stabbed you in the back, right? Crushed. And, and maybe you're like me and you're asking, will I ever be put back together again? Will I ever be whole again, right? Our last reason or, or season for sadness would be because of sin. Sometimes it's our own sin. We've made bad choices, right? Sometimes it's other people's sin that have affected us, right? And in Nehemiah chapter 9, I love this, where Ezra, the priest, gets up and he is reading from the book of the law to all the people. The wall has been built at this point, okay? And they're listening to what the book of the law says, you know? They're, they're reading uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, all of those, okay? And it's, it's convicting them. The, the truth, the word of God is convicting them and they're confessing their sins and they're asking God for forgiveness and, the, and then they're worshiping God, okay? And it, it, just, it just reminds me, you know, during times in, in my life, uh, times that, that I've gone through periods of sin, you know, I, I did it because, you know, I wanted what I wanted and so I did that. Right? And there's a phrase in, in biblical counseling that, that says, we do what we do because we want what we want. Right? We do what we do because we want what we want. And I want to turn that around a little bit so the focus is on God. We do, it should be, we do what we do because that's what he wants. Right? Not my will, but his will. Right? And the best example of that is Jesus, like in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he died, right? Before he went to the cross. Is there any other way for this to happen? Let's do that. But if there isn't, not my will, but your will, God. Okay? And so, you know, during these, these times of sadness, um, and, and especially if, if it's uh, involved sin, you know, we, we need to confess those sins to God. We, we can go straight to him. We can go straight to him. And we can ask him for forgiveness, confess our sins, and, and be back in right relationship with him again. Amen? Um, and these, these times of sadness, a lot of times we just want to bypass them altogether, don't we? Lord, take this away take me out of the situation, all those kinds of things. And, and we would not, we want nothing more than to not have to feel that way, not have to walk through what we have to walk through. And, and that shouldn't actually be our goal. Um, our goal shouldn't be to bypass those seasons of sadness because there's something there that God's trying to refine in us by having us walk through them, all right? And if we bypass them, we're not gonna be refined like he wants us to be refined. Um, our goal should be deepening our relationship with God by allowing him to lead us through those times. And that's hard. I get it. That's hard. I've been there. But we should be deepening our relationship with God instead of deepening the pit we find ourselves in, right? 
All right, so, heaviness, <laughs> right? It's been heavy. Now, here's what, what we can do about it, all right? Here's, here's the hope that we have from the Bible, okay? Uh, things that we can, we can do in response to times of sadness. Some of these are going to sound like, you know, Sunday school answers. Please don't let them just be Sunday school answers, okay? The first one is prayer, and I can attest to the fact in my own life that prayer works, and prayer is powerful. And it might not change the situation, but it changes me, and it changes my perspective, right? And so we can use these times of sadness to pray and deepen our prayer life with God. And uh, especially when I don't know what to pray for, and I don't know how to word it, I go to the Psalms, and I just open up the book, and I flip through, and there's always something there, right? That's just awesome about the Psalms, all right? And one of the Psalms that, that is near and dear to my heart, because it came to me in one of those times of brokenness, those times of sadness, is Psalm 27. And uh, it says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And I, I use it as a prayer. And I turn, I turn that back to God and, and I say, Lord, you are my light. In those times of sadness, in those times when I feel like I'm in the dark, you are my light. You're the headlamp. You're the spotlight shining on the path that I'm supposed to be going on, that I'm, I'm following you. You lead me. I follow. You are my salvation. I can't be saved in anything else or anybody else, right? And I know that I'm not alone in my sadness because you see me and you hear me and you're right here, right? I'm not afraid, all right? And during those times of prayer, when I'm praying those things, it's really cool because it, it turns to worship, right? It turns to worshiping my creator. And when I talk about worship, I'm music can be a big part of that. It is in my life. But I'm not just talking about coming in and singing a couple songs on Sunday, although that is a huge part of it, okay? And, and our worship team, we're so blessed with our worship team uh, ushering us into the presence of God, all right? But, um, but there are other things that, that we can even do on our own that worship God, all right? Worship is making the choice to focus on the goodness of God. And there's a lot of ways you can do that, all right? Um, I, I need a lot of alone time, and when I'm feeling, whoo, you know, I, I, go out, I go out in creation. I go hiking, and I'm praying with him. Uh, I get on my motorcycle, and I ride, and I spend time with him. Uh, you know, find, find something where you can, can be with God and talk to him and hear him, and that is a form of worship, okay? Um, sadness has a way of taking our eyes off the goodness of God and overshadowing that in our perspective. And so worship counteracts that. Worship counteracts. It's so powerful. It counteracts sadness and can transform us from the inside out, which is part of our series here, Inside Out. It helps us take our focus off ourselves and focus on the one that made us. Focus on where it belongs, all right? Psalm 27, verse 4 says, One thing I ask of the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, to seek him in his temple. That's the goodness of God. If you are a child of God, you will be in God's presence for eternity. Wow. 
right? But we don't have to wait for that. We can have it right here, too. We can focus on the goodness of God right here, right now, all right? Uh, one of the things that, that we talk about in, in biblical counseling is the concept of, of taking off and putting on. And, um, and it, it felt really weird for me to do this at first, but now I've been doing it for a while, and, and it, it, just seems, it just gets natural. But um, I understand kind of the uh, uncomfortable awkwardness of it. Um, but I just want to challenge you guys, when you're in your sadness, um, to, you know, in your mind, when you're renewing your mind, um, that's what taking off and putting on is, is renewing your mind uh, with truth and, and scripture and things like that, to, to take off your grieving clothes. Because sometimes we can just wrap it like, you know, like a towel around us and not want to let go. Um, but we need to be able to take that off to be able to put on the stuff that, that God wants for us. Okay, Jeremiah 61.3 says, and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, All right? oil of joy instead of mourning, right? garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. All right? Take off and put on. And this, this can be applied to any of the motions we've already talked about. It can be applied to sadness. It can be applied to the, to the ones that we'll be talking about in the next couple weeks, all right? It's not exclusive to, to sadness, all right? Um, gosh, we just need to renew our mind. Um, and, and, and even in my own life, uh, there have been times where, uh, even a couple weeks ago when, when Pastor Rich was talking about, you know, shame, there have, been, there have been times of shame in my own life where I, had, I took that off. Right? And I put on joy, you know? I put on God's grace. I took off mourning, okay? I, I had to make that choice, and it's, it's not easy, and sometimes it takes a while. But, but, but it's something that God wants for us. We have to take the past off to put on, put on the future and to put on the present. Um, in Psalm 27, verse 2, it says, when the wicked advance against me to devour me. And sometimes that's what it feels like, doesn't it? When you're in the pit, when you're in sadness, that, that you have been devoured. It is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall, right? Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. Look at this, there's a whole entire army coming. And, you know, a very good reason to be fearful, okay? Take off the fear, and the psalmist put on confidence. Confidence in Almighty God, right? One of the things also in biblical counseling is, is the fact that feelings are not facts. And that can seem kind of harsh, I know, but they're not. Feelings, our emotions, are not facts. And there's that phrase, follow your heart. And that looks cute on a plaque on your wall, but it is actually, it actually goes against biblical truth. Right? Ouch. Um, if you're following your heart, of course you're going to have a no good, horrible, very bad day. Or series of days, months, years. Right? Because we're letting our emotions rule. All right? Uh, Jeremiah 17.9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. 
who can understand it? So when we're letting our, our emotions rule us, you know, we're, we're walking right into deception, we're walking right into bondage. No wonder we're sad, right? And, you know, somewhere along the lines of history, we've, we've gotten the whole put the emotion, you know, release the emotions first, feelings should come first, and that dictates our thinking and our actions. And in all of this, we've got it backwards. Um, we, need to, we need to think biblically, and that allows us to act biblically and to uh, release our emotions biblically. It's like, it's like a train. Um, we, we have a train here on the tracks, and the, we, you got to have an engine to move, right? And you have all the other tr- uh, train cars, and you have the caboose. And the, the, uh, the engine is like biblical truth. That's at the beginning. That's what pulls the train, and if need be, is able to pull, you know, pull it back. But that's a, that is what allows the train to move on the tracks. And then you have all the other cars behind it, and then the caboose is our emotions. But some of us have put the caboose first, and then we wonder why we're stuck, and we're not moving. And that's what it feels like when you're in sadness. You're stuck, and you're not moving. And so we need to have the train in the right order, biblical truth, action, and then our emotions, all right? The caboose was, was never made and never meant to be in charge, all right? Last one, we can, we can speak life over ourselves. We need to do that. We need to be speaking life, all right? Um, again, an, a powerful way to do that is to open up to the book of Psalms and just declare those things over yourself. Biblical truth, all right? We can either bless or we can curse. There's no in-between. And so those negative thoughts that we think about ourselves, you know, you're fat, you're ugly, you're have so many pimples on your face. Oh, that was such a stupid move. All, those, all that self-talk that we talk about ourselves is, is speaking death over ourselves. Did you know that? So we need to make sure that we're speaking life, right? We speak life over our, ourselves. We speak life over the people that we know. We need to break off that negative self-talk, all right? And in Psalm 27, verse 13, it says, I remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And remember what worship is, focusing on the goodness of God. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, right here, right now. We don't have to wait till heaven to see the goodness of God around us, all right? Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord, all right? So my, my ch- I have two challenges here for you today, all right? First one, I want to challenge you to stand in the gap. Just like in the book of Nehemiah, we have uh, family clans working on the wall and other family clans with weapons ready to go if need be, standing watch. And then they would switch. But either way, they had each other's back. They, They had each other's back. They were standing in the gap for each other. And I want to challenge you to stand in the gap for somebody that you know. Right? Have your eyes up and out here looking for how you can encourage other people, how you can speak life over them. All right? Second one, I want you to pick one of these things that I went through today. You know, pray, worship, take off, put on, speak life. 
Pick at least one that you can work on this week that you're, that you're conscious of, all right? Uh, we, you know, these, there's been a lot of biblical truth here, but we need to apply it. We need to do it, okay? And so I want to challenge you to, to pick one of those, all right? Now, God's purpose for Nehemiah was to lead the Jews, not only to build the wall, but to, to bring them cohesively into being a nation again, all right? That wall, even though it was a physical wall in Jerusalem, is also uh, symbolic for us, okay? The wall was completed in a record 52 days, despite all that opposition. Less than two months. Because you know what they did? They prayed to God and they kept going, right? The wall wouldn't have been built. The people wouldn't have been unified as a nation. And God wouldn't have gotten the glory if Nehemiah and the people had let sadness rule them, right? Yes. Let's stand right where you're at. Thank you, Penny. It's always very rich to be in a setting where um, you can tell, and I hope you can tell, that the person speaking knows a bit about what they're speaking about, has applied it and walked some journey with that message. Uh, some of you may feel stuck. Maybe it's sadness. Maybe it's something else. Uh, there's a lot of overlay with sadness and despair, depression, discouragement, all those kinds of things. In this environment, one of the best things you can possibly do is to take use of, uh, make use of our prayer team up here because they're not going to get in your stuff. They're not going to ask your whole history. They're not going to give a counseling, but they are going to pray that God would assist you. And they're going to be over here on the side. God would assist you. Um, be on both sides I see what's happening assist you with whatever you're stuck about and there's no shame in saying you're stuck my gosh most of us get stuck uh, with some regularity maybe but uh, I'm going to just invite you to put out your palms face up ask for God's health to come into our lives Father we just invite your perspective and Father, there are things that we can apply here. Uh, we ask you to accentuate the one thing that really would be a, a mover and a shaker, a game changer for us right now where we're at. For those who are stuck, I'm just, we're together. We're asking in Jesus' name for a breakthrough of the conflict that the goodness of God cares about any person who feels helpless and stuck. And so, Father, we ask you to give people the courage to tell someone, hey, I don't know what to do. I don't know if you know what to do, but I'm stuck. And, Father, now we pray liberty, 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 one step forward, one step up, one step further out of the pit, but a sense of movement, progress, some hope, sunshine, sunshine in the soul, in the mind, in Jesus' name. Liberty, 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 forward movement. And for all that movement, Father, we now we ask you to protect it all. Maybe some momentary 
resistance, but a pushing forward that actually goes somewhere, takes people somewhere. So, Father, we thank you today for your great, 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 great grace. And uh, I'm asking that you would just blanket this body, these people, those who are looking online, those who are feeling detached with a sense that God is near, God is dear, God is personal to me, and he's working in my behalf. Make it so, Lord, make it pronounced and make it unmistakable. Father, we rejoice in your name, and today we say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.